Tell you what, I have a uh, co-worker at work. I could just hear him if I was at work right now in the morning. He'd come in the door and he'd say, Burr, who left the freezer door open? And that's just kind of what it feels like out there. It feels like somebody left the freezer door open. That's all right. Maybe it will uh, freeze out all our ticks and chiggers and we won't have as many this summer. All right, uh, you can open your Bibles if you want to, to Ecclesiastes 2. It's not really my text, but there's a verse there I'd like to start with. I didn't, I always seem to struggle with titles, but... Anyway, I finally put on the top of the page, God's students are willfully ignorant. So you can title it whatever you want to title it in your mind, but that's what I put at the top of my page. Uh, Ecclesiastes 2.21. We have Solomon talking here. Uh, let's read just that one verse. For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity. Yet to a man that hath not labored therein shall he leave it for his portion. This also is vanity and a great evil. So here we have this wise man Solomon talking to us. One of the, the considered the wisest man in the world. And he's talking about knowledge and wisdom, and he calls it vanity and a great evil. So what, why, what's this all about? Is he just discouraged and down in the dumps? And this is what he was writing in his discouragement? If you read most of that chapter, it seems like just about everything's vanity. So what good, what good, and, and it's a little bit of a question I had rolling around in my head. What, what good is knowledge? Why do we even strive for knowledge? And part of it came around, came about just recently. Y'all have heard me talk about it already, but my old flight instructor is laying in bed, losing his mind. He's old and he's, yeah. God, God bless him and his wife, but there's all this, and it crossed my mind, there's all this knowledge, there's all this experience, all this wisdom, really. He was a fine old man, and still is, but all of it's just going away. And one of these days, just like me, he's going to die, and so what good does it do? Why, why do we even bother trying to gain knowledge of anything? Why do we even send our children to school? Why do, I, why do we have a Bible school we help support? Why do we ever study any subject or topic? Why do people go to school and for a decade just to become a doctor and 50 or 80 years later, they're dead? What good did it do anybody? Why don't, why don't we just sit around our entire lives and twiddle our thumbs and wait to die? Because what good's it going to do? Thank you, Stephen. Isn't a wise man that just died 
just as dead as a tribal man in the jungle that never learned the ABCs? Right? I'm not discouraging knowledge, and I hope, you, I hope you get that at the end of this sermon. This is just some of the stuff that was rolling around in my head recently. And I'm really glad we don't have a group of people here this morning just sitting around, twiddling our thumbs, so to speak, waiting to die because it doesn't do any good to learn. That, that's not the right path to go down. There's an old saying in business that says you're either growing or you're dying. And that's true mentally, too, I believe. Either you're, you're growing your mind or you're shrinking it. I mean, it doesn't seem like you reach a plateau in your mind where you just stay the same for the rest of your life. We're always learning things. There's always things to learn. There's, a, there's an old, older lady I know. She's old in my mind anyway. But she, when you go to her house, she has stacks of books around. She, she's a voracious reader. She's always reading something. And, and I like to see that. It may, be, it may be a pastime. Sometimes reading is a pastime for people, but I think it's more than that. She has a desire for knowledge, and it's good. We consider reading and studying and learning good. So we, pro and we probably all met some very, I know I have already, and I I'd talk about it later if I don't forget, met some highly educated people who were really smart in one area, but they were very much lacking in wisdom and very foolish in a lot of other areas. And I'm not saying there shouldn't be areas of expertise. Obviously, if I go to a doctor, I'm very grateful for the many years he spent in school so he knows how to fix my ailment or help me fix my ailment. I'm very glad for that, but if he's a doctor that, I don't know, he doesn't believe the moon landing ever happened and he has no idea that to build a house it takes lumber and nail, he's just useless in all other areas of life, we kind of consider him to have, I don't know, he, he's probably not a very interesting man to hang out around. Um, we've read the verse in 2 Timothy 2, verse 7 recently in Sunday school. And y'all probably know what that is. Let me read that for you here. It kind of describes some of these people sometimes. 2 Timothy 2, 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. That kind of describes the first group of people I want to talk about or already have talked about. And they're the people that, there, there are a segment of people in the, pop, in the culture today, not a whole lot, I don't think, but they're always learning and that's all they can ever do. They gather as many college degrees as they can. They gather as much, they're always learning and they're never, never willing to stop and share what they know. They can never quite quit learning enough to share it. They're addicted to getting smarter. That's one group of people we have. I had to wonder already how many Albert Einsteins there are out there that are very intelligent people, but they don't have the wherewithal to stop learning to share some of their knowledge with some of the rest of us. What if Albert Einstein had taken his 160 IQ level and just 
kept going to school his whole life and never bothered to share what he knew with us. How, how many people out there are like that? I don't know. Who knows? So that, that's the one group of, I want to talk about four groups of people this morning. And that's, that's, that could be one of the groups, the people that are addicted to learning, addicted to knowledge, and it almost becomes their God. There's another group of people out there this morning that I don't think any of this, us in this room are in this category, but we're going to talk about it a little bit. And that is the people who are ignorant due to lack of resources. So there are people in this world born into unfortunate, poor circumstances that aren't held to the level of accountability that we are here this morning. They, they don't, a, a poor tribal man born in the jungle of Africa isn't as accountable to God, I don't believe, as what you and I are this morning. They don't have the, the they are, Okay, think about Otto Koning for a minute. The people he went and ministered to, when he arrived, I don't believe they had much accountability to God. They didn't know. Nobody had ever taught them before. But the more Otto taught them and the more educated they became about God, the more accountable they were to God. That's the second group of people that some people in this world are in. And then there's a third group of people that I'd like to talk about. Let's turn to, if you wish, you can turn to Luke 12, 48. And this is the category of people sometimes I'm afraid I'm in. I don't want to be in this group of people, but sometimes I'm afraid I am. Luke 12, 48. But he knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. And this is the next phrase I want. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to him who, to whom men have committed much, of him they shall ask, will ask the more. So Jesus was talking about a wide steward here and telling them to watch for his return. And he made this statement that should strike fear into our hearts if we aren't careful. For, to, for unto whomsoever much is given, much shall be required. And I'll just tell you all this morning, every one of us in this room have been given much this morning. And every one of us this morning will be required of much someday when we stand before God. And that shouldn't strike fear into our hearts unless we are willfully ignoring it. Sometimes we, I've thought already, all right, if not more knowledge is, makes me more accountable to God, well, then I'll just uh, stick my head in the sand like the ostriches do in the pictures. I don't think they do it in real life, but we'll just stick our head in the sand and pretend that we never seen it. We, we don't, we, that way I'm not accountable. I don't think God wants us to stick our heads in the sand this morning. I know God doesn't want us to stick our heads in the sand this morning. The, the amount of resources that we have available to us today is unbelievable. 
all the, the technology, the books, the study helps, the access to educated people through the internet. It used to be back in the old, way back when, if you wanted to be educated by a professor, you had to sit in his class or somehow get a paper of his writings. It's not like that anymore. And that's not always good, but it can be good. The internet's changed that. Let's look at a man this morning that lost two of his sons because he was, in my mind, willfully ignorant. We're doing some surmising here. But let's look at this man, Joshua 6, verse 26. We have a man that is mentioned, not in this verse, but we'll turn to it later, but he's mentioned one time in the Bible. In one verse, and so everything we know about this man is in that verse. Joshua, uh, let's read Joshua 6.26 once. So this was right after the Israelites got done with one of their most remembered battles, the Battle of Jericho. Uh, just a few interesting facts before we read this verse. They, according to archaeologists, uh, Jericho walls, and it, it would state it here earlier in the chapter. Uh, in verse 20, it says the walls fell down flat. And there's archaeologists that have searched out that the Jericho locations and it, and it does appear that that's exactly what happened. Um, it says when the people shouted the walls fell down flat suppose, and from what archaeologists have found there, there seems to have been two walls around Jericho and they, the one, they fell down flat and the one fell down against the other one basically making a ramp up the second one. So this, what these people thought was one of their greatest securities of having two walls around ended up being what brought the destruction of Jericho. Isn't that kind of interesting? They thought it was their greatest strength and suddenly when it, when it fell flat against the other one it made a perfect ramp and it says the men felt, ran up straight if you read the account there. Uh, let's read this verse 26, though, before we get too carried away. And Joshua adjured them, uh, that basically means charged them, at that time saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city Jericho. He shall lay the foundations thereof in his firstborn, and his youngest son shall he set the gates of it. Shall he set up the gates of it. Joshua pronounced a curse on this wicked city that nobody should ever rebuild it again. I don't know what all he saw in this evil city, but I have no doubt it was a, a horrible evil city. And we have Joshua saying this curse. And then we fast forward about 600, 700 years, and we have wicked King Ahab in charge. And let's turn to 1 Kings 16, verse 
1 Kings 16.34. And here we have a man trying to rebuild the, the walls of Jericho. And that, in his days, did Hiel, the Bethelite, build Jericho. He laid the foundations thereof in Abram, his firstborn, set up the gates thereof in his youngest son, Sigub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Joshua, the son of Nun. You know how sometimes when you, you have something that's forbidden to do, maybe your children are forbidden to do it, and they just have to try it just to see if they can get by with it, just to see if, if you actually meant what you said. And that's almost what I picture this high old man doing. Now he could have, he, there's some theories out there that there was a lot of child sacrifice going on at that time. Maybe he actually sacrificed, he was a, so evil he sacrificed his children in the building of, rebuilding of Jericho. I, I, don't, I don't quite go with that legend. It could have, it could have happened that way. I, probably he was more ignorant about it than anything. He may have blatantly done it to, uh, just to see if he could get by with it. But I have a feeling he probably at least heard a legend about the curse. He was from Bethelite. He was a Bethelite, which means he was from Bethel, which was just a little north of Jerusalem and about 14 miles from Jericho. He, he was living in close enough proximity, and he probably heard some of these old stories of the Israelites. I got a feeling he probably knew and he chose to be willfully ignorant. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he was, maybe his thought process was ignorance is bliss. Sometimes we hear that. We do, if we don't know, we'll just go on. But either way, the effect was the same. For sure, the loss of his eldest and his youngest son, and there's some people that say all his children died in between, depending how you read that. So if his theory was ignorance is bliss, I don't want the knowledge, it did not work out well for this man. He found out the hard way. And that's sometimes the man I'm afraid I am sometimes. I just assume I'm a little scared to know what's, to, to dig too deep. What if I find something that hurts that I have to change? I have, I don't know how many Bibles I have in my house. I have a bunch of Bibles in my house. I have study helps. I have a library full of books. I sit in Sunday school class and I learn from y'all. What if I hear something and I have knowledge that I need to change and I don't want to change? There's so much information everywhere and sometimes we can't contain it. You know, something else that I find interesting is, so we've had the written word for hundreds of years now, but do you, do you know how many people, how many hours have been spent studying through God's word already? Hours and hours and hours of people studying, writing, and we're still studying it today. And we, and we never, it seems like there's always something more to learn. Back to what Jesus said, he said, to whom much is given, much shall be required. 
And every one of us in this room, as I mentioned before, we have a lot that's going to be required of us. We've spent hours in Sunday school classes with intelligent people studying God's Word. We have lots that we are required of. And what am I doing with this gift of knowledge? Some people hear it and they turn their eyes away and they say it was for another time and another place. And they pretend that they don't hear. Ignorance is bliss and let's go on. It didn't work out very well for Mr. Heil. And it's one of the burdens I have for people that grow up hearing, the, hearing God's word and they leave the faith. How, how can you do that? You're, you're accountable to God for what you heard. How can I grow up and know what the Bible says? I was taught it at home. I was taught it at school. I heard it in church. In Sunday school, I can read it myself. We're accountable. Don't be a person in this category is my plea with you this morning. James 4.17 says, Therefore to him who knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. God forbid we fall, I fall in this category. You or I. We're, I, I, I fear I have been in that place and I fear I can slide back in that place. I don't want to be willfully ignorant of God's word. So that brings us to the, the fourth group of people, the one I want to be in. The one we should all want to be in. Seeking knowledge, applying wisdom, and never done learning. Psalms 90 verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may apply unto our hearts wisdom. David wasn't a dumb man. He was, he was a very intellectually advanced person. If, he, he was much smarter than me. I'll just very obviously he was. But he knew that if he didn't take his, his knowledge of God, his knowledge of scriptures, and apply God's wisdom to it, it wasn't going to do him any good. I did meet a man several years ago that it's been many years ago now. And I'm not trying to badmouth him in or any way. He, but he was very uh, socially challenged, I guess you can maybe say. And in the course of the conversation, it, it came out that he was a professor at a college. And the thought crossed my mind, and it still crosses my mind when I think of this man, much learning hath made thee mad. I mean, he, he wasn't much good, seemingly, except for talking about it, whatever he taught at the college. Now, maybe he wasn't in that catalog, and the speaker of those words was wrong. Paul was not mad, so I could very likely be wrong. When people, and this can go for you and I, if we have lots of knowledge and we don't know, times we aggravate and frustrate the people around us. It's usually pointless. Lord, help me. And sometimes if you're like me, you think, I don't have anything to say. I sit around in a circle of people who are way smarter than I am. Why would I bother opening my mouth? It makes you want to say like Abraham Lincoln, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and reveal the obvious. That's sometimes how, how I feel. But you know what? And it may be true that if you don't have anything to say, you shouldn't open your mouth. That probably is true. But don't belittle yourself. 
Don't belittle yourself. You have knowledge. Every one of y'all has knowledge in here about Scripture that I don't know, and I need to learn it. I've learned lots from being willing to listen. Sometimes on the ride home from church, my wife will tell me what the ladies discussed in the Sunday school class. And y'all have very good thoughts in there, apparently, because I learned things through my wife, what y'all learned in Sunday school class. God bless you for that. You can learn from... There's so much that can be taught if we're just willing to stop and listen to people. I've learned some thoughts about God from some of the most unlikely people in the community. If you just stop and listen, that don't mean everything they have to say is right. But you know, every now and then they drop a nugget and you know what, you know what, that's, you think to yourself, that is right. That's right. Listen for those little snippets of truth about God. If nothing else, if you don't think you have that much knowledge to share or knowledge of scriptures to share, you can always, if nothing else, say what God's doing for you or has done for you. There's something you can share with everybody, every one of you. Sometimes even just the little lines my children will say around the house make me think. God, God can work through that if you let it. You moms stuck at home taking care of children, y'all have something to offer. So I asked the question at the beginning of this, so why do we study? So here's a, here's a few points why we study and gain knowledge, even though we're going to grow old and die someday. We gather it to improve our own lives. You only live once, so you may as well be as informed as you can, particularly about your Creator. Don't forget that. Don't forget about your Creator. We gather knowledge to help others. We owe society around us our God-given abilities to improve their lives. God did give us richly all things to enjoy, and that includes sharing with others intellectually. And the third point I have is we gather knowledge to learn more about the God we will spend eternity with. Why not learn about the God that we want to spend eternity with? Why not learn as much about him on this earth as we can? It does us good to think about it. Second Peter 3.18, you want to turn to that. It says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in grace and in the knowledge. God wants us to learn about him. He really wants us to learn about him. He didn't say, hey, Christ is coming back soon. Why don't y'all sit around and wait for him while he, sit around and wait on him. And when he comes, he's going to reveal everything to you that you should have been learning in the process. 
And it is true that Christ will reveal all those things. If you read Luke 8, 19, it says Christ will reveal all things. But in the process of waiting, he wants us to learn about him. He wants me to learn about him. And knowledge, part of the reason I think sometimes I don't want to gain knowledge is because it's actually hard work. I, I wasn't one that really enjoyed school that much. I didn't hate it, but I wasn't, I was pretty glad to get out of it when, I, when it came time to graduate. Knowledge takes effort, and sometimes we just want to be spoon-fed it by everybody else around us. They're smarter than us anyway, so why not let others tell us? Be willing yourself to dig into God's Word and, and see what God, God will reveal it to you through His Spirit. All you have to do is ask. Get it, go straight to God's Word and be open to it. I'll read that verse one more time. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Let's just put this little, in closing here, let's put this little scenario in your mind. Suppose that uh, my boss, suppose Titus left on a trip. And I work for Titus and, and he gathered a group of us that worked for him around and he said here's a project I want y'all to do while I'm gone just work on this project and do it and do the best you can and he leaves suppose we tried suppose we tried really hard and we made a little bit of a mess out of things but we did make some progress and we corrected our errors the best to the best of our abilities and in the end, we were better educated and had more knowledge of the project than we had at the beginning. So even though we, we did the project, we did the job, we made mistakes along the ways, but we did the best we could, and we fixed our mistakes the best we could. I think that when my boss comes back, I know I'm good enough, he would be pleased to know that we did the best we could with the abilities we had, and we, we improved the project's in better shape than it was when he left. And that's how God is with us as Christians this morning. He's gave us everything we need to know in here. And every one of us, if you've gone through school, know how to read. And, and he's saying, here, here's the project. Learn about me until I come back. And we don't have to learn everything perfectly, but we can get together and we can discuss scripture. And we can learn from each other. And we're going to make mistakes along the way. And sometimes we're going to mess it up and we're not going to do it right. But we're doing the best we can with the knowledge we have. God's going to be pleased with us when he returns. It's the ones of us that, you know, it's pretty hard to learn. I, I heard that, but I kind of think that's an old-timey something they did way back when. I'm going to drop this. I'm going to drop that. Those are the people that God is are going to shudder when they stand before God in judgment someday. It's going to be the ones that read it. They know it to the best of their abilities. They're with a group of believers that are trying to know it. They want it. They desire it. They're doing the best they can to the best of their abilities. That's what God wants from us. You can, you can do it. Every one of you can. Even though you may not be a 
highly educated, sophisticated person. If you have, if you have a Bible and you know how to read it, study it. God will show you. That's all I have to share with you all this morning. Thank you all for your attentiveness. Let's kneel for prayer.